Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Irreverent, entertaining, cool. You're listening to LA Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to All Things Therapy. I'm your host, Lisa Tahir. I'm a licensed clinical social worker practicing as an intuitive psychotherapist. And I appreciate you for tuning in today where the mission statement of my podcast is that we are changing consciousness one conversation at a time. And I'm going to ask you to help me with that the achievement of that mission by going to iTunes, pulling up All Things Therapy, and giving me a review and a rating that really helps raise me up in the ranks for more people to hear these interviews and conversations and to really empower themselves to change their own lives. So additionally, I am available to work with you one-on-one in sessions by phone, Skype, FaceTime, or in person at my Los Angeles and New Orleans office locations. Additionally, I'm offering a one-month intensive psychoastrology package. You can learn more about the services that I offer you through my website, which is nolatherapy.com, N-O-L-A-T-H-E-R-A-P-Y.com, the abbreviation for New Orleans Los Angeles therapy. And at NOLA Therapy, there are links to this podcast to iTunes. So it's easy for you to rate and review me by going to my website. And there are also other platforms. You can click to listen on Stitcher, on an Android. So it's super easy at NOLA Therapy. I just redid my website for that purpose. I would love for you to join my email list. There's a button to join so that I can get you information about my book, that is coming out later this year in 2020. The title is The Chiron Effect, Healing Our Core Wounds Through Astrology, Empathy, and Self-Forgiveness. And I spent over three years researching in my in my experience as a therapist for over 20 years, people typically come in with issues sitting, centering around one or two areas of their lives. And I have identified 12 placements of core wounding based upon your 
place and time, date of birth, and you're able to pull up what that core wounding is and what this really has to do with are the unwanted patterns that we find ourselves in, often person after person, experience after experience. And Chiron is the wounded healer archetype that Carl Jung speaks about in archetypal psychology. And I help you understand your core wounding and then completely heal and shift it through psychological principles and truths through affirmations that I've infused with Reiki healing properties and through just really understanding what's going on for you around these issues so you can create a new orbit and live your life at a higher frequency. And please go to NOLA Therapy, rate this podcast, review it, and join my email list. Follow me on social media. I'm on Facebook, Instagram. I have a YouTube channel and Twitter, all at NOLA Therapy. I am daily putting out content to really help you raise your own consciousness. I am passionate about it and I need your support. So I'm asking for that now and I'm thanking you in advance for you giving that to me. I'm going to shift now to my guest. I have a really, really interesting guest today doing some unique work in our world. In moments, we're going to be with Melanie Nathan. She is the executive director of the African Human Rights Coalition. And Melanie is an attorney. She's an equality and human rights activist. She speaks and writes and blogs extensively on issues impacting the LGBTQ and I communities. And that stands for, just in case you don't know, lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, queer, and intersex communities around the world with a focus on the United States and Africa. Melanie is also country conditions expert who testifies for LGBTQ&I asylum seekers from African countries. She additionally provides mediation and conflict management services to the San Francisco Bay Area. And Melanie's blog, oblogd.blog, so that's spelled O-B-L-O-G-D-E-E dot blog, it'll be in the show notes, has been awarded the National Association for LGBTQI journalists, the Excellence and Blogging Award for 2019. And she has hit over a million reads to date. So just such a real high honor that she has been consistently working and putting this material out. Melanie has been featured on MSNBC, on Vice, on BBC, NBC Out, Harper's, the San Francisco Chronicle, NPR, in the New York Times, in The Guardian, the San Francisco Weekly, and in other publications and interviews. Melanie has received the Outfest 2019 Grand Jury Award for Best Feature Documentary on behalf of the filmmaker Tom Shepard for the film Unsettled, which is going to be released on PBS this spring here in 2020. So with that, I just really want to welcome you Melanie, to our time together today. Thank you so much, Lisa. It's such a pleasure to be here, and I really thank you for this opportunity. You are so welcome. It's my pleasure and honor to really share with people the work that you're doing for advocacy and human rights. Can you talk to us about this work that is your passion and how we can become involved and help? Yeah, definitely. Well, um, 
African Human Rights Coalition was born out of the individual activism and advocacy that I somehow found myself caught up in. Um, I, you know, I did quite, I was doing quite a bit of equality related work um, during the uh, marriage equality, shall we say, revolution here in the United States. And prior mm-hmm. to that, I had uh, been born and raised in South Africa and practiced law there and then immigrated to the United States during the apartheid era. Um, and continue to maintain my contact there uh, with LGBT communities and uh, watch the um, rise to democracy. I was involved in um, uh, publishing a blog that reported for the first time globally on the issue of so-called corrective rape um, Mm, of lesbians. And yeah, and uh, so there was a lot of work around that. And then uh, I got very involved in all the uh, anti-homosexuality, the rise in anti-homosexuality stuff that was going on in different African countries, especially at the time in Uganda and Nigeria, uh, where American evangelicals had gone down there and sought to, to, you know, churn things up a bit and we're seeking enhanced anti-gay legislation. Mm. So they were already having criminalizing laws that in about 34 of the 54 African countries that were remnants of the old colonial penal codes. And now suddenly the American evangelicals arrived and said, uh, you know, these guys are not getting punished enough. They really need to have death sentences. Oh, it's horrible. Long-term prison sentences. Let's make bigger legislation. And that started to happen. And it was around that time that I got more involved in that work. And, uh, you know, because of the persecution that resulted from this enhanced legislation, and even where legislation was not enhanced, just the attention it brought to it, um, ended up resulting in uh, a bigger migration than we had seen before, where LGBT people pretty much were on the run. And Mm. so uh, what developed is uh, asylum seekers showing up all over the world, refugees crossing borders to go into other countries, seeking help from UNHCR, the United Nations High Commission for Refugees, and looking to be resettled abroad. And so this whole milieu sort of burst, I would say, starting around um, into the 2000s, I would say it really started to happen around 2010 and has been ever increasing since. So African Human Rights Coalition, which is our organization based here in California, and we also have an office in South Africa, and we have what we call ambassadors on the ground in different African countries. Um, We work with LGBT people who are being persecuted, seeking safe shelter in their own countries. We work with those seeking exile options and try and provide mentorship and recommendations about how to conduct their lives safely. We also work to try and combat homophobia and we work directly with 
refugees and asylum seekers through the UNHCR system and through the court systems in various countries around the world um, where we uh, where we do case management. We sometimes provide humanitarian assistance um, and safe shelter assistance. It's just a myriad of things that we cover. We also do a fair amount of outreach to create awareness. We talk to kids in schools, telling them what's going on. And, you know, it's just, it runs the gamut. It's just a lot of work. And your website is wonderful. I learned so much. And and for listeners, going to AfricanHRC.org. I didn't know, as you stated moments ago, that 33 of 54 countries in Africa criminalize homosexuality still and about the the horrors of corrective rape in South Africa and the lack of consistent protection for those women that have been raped. And then the court goes to trial and you just really outline the advocacy that you have been doing with equality in the U.S., the repeal of Don't Ask, Don't Tell, uniting Uniting American Families Act, supporting the LGBT families and binationals. I just learned so much about what you've been doing and how important this work is. And you're also a 501c3. And so I imagine, do you run off of donations? Because I think it's important for people to know that they can give some of their money to support these human rights. Well, you know, it's really important. What we've been doing up until now, which is very different, is um, I have a very different model. I pretty much got caught up in this work, and it was sort of just really pure volunteer, just diving in, people reaching out and doing what I could do. And then when we registered the 501c3 through our fiscal sponsor, who is Social Good Fund, who's been amazing, and help us with the administrative side of what we do. Um, I started reaching out for um, grants. Now, what I had been doing mostly was crowdsource funding to provide food, shelter for people that were literally in uh, terrible, violent circumstances and on the run, often from family and from friends mm. and from community, which makes the LGBTQI situation so unique. Um, And so we were able to provide people with places to stay and food and um, we continue to do this work. And then when when faced with thinking, okay, let's see if we can get some grant money so that we can make this operational and develop our programming, um, I found so much time I spent on trying to find these grants and write these grants mm-hmm. and I never had any help at that time that I realized the amount of time I was spending getting rejected, I might as well continue on the side to do my law mediation work yes. and then continue African HRC in a volunteer capacity. So right now, African Human Rights Coalition does not have any operational funding whatsoever. It's fledgling in that realm and we are seeking uh, development professionals to come in on a volunteer basis and help us develop that side. And we do have some promising um, opportunities that seem to be presenting right now. So until now, all the money that we've taken in, we give other than the little bit of admin that we have to pay out, which is minimal, 
and that mostly covers, uh, you know, running the 501c3 from our fiscal sponsor's perspective. But just about, I mean, I would say I'm putting in about 30 pro bono hours per week. Yes, and then for with this. My other time, yeah, and then with my other time trying to support myself through my mediation practice. But um, everything that's been coming in so far is going to um, actual people, victims, for want of a better term, survivors, survivors. of um, these horrendous um, situations that are occurring literally as we speak. So this is your passion project that you have funded directly. And so I'm hoping that listeners will really feel uh, an attunement to the work you're doing and go to your website to donate because it's it's so important that people are fleeing their homes because they can't be who they are and be in the type of relationship that they want to be in. And that is our right as human beings to make those choices and enjoy those freedoms. That's correct. You know, to my way of thinking, um, you know, I'm in my not so young years. (laughs) And (laughs) I I will tell you that when it goes so quickly, when you're at my age and uh, when you look back and you realize on, on this beautiful earth, this is your one life to live. Imagine having a government that thinks that you dare not live it according to that which is innate within you. That you are not, you're told by your government that, you, so, that you're a criminal. That in, in effect, because you love someone of the same gender and you want to have a lifelong relationship with that someone of the same gender because you want to go to the movies and hold their hand and grow old together, that you cannot do that in this one lifetime you have because somebody's religion looks at their religion in a different way to how you might look at that religion or for whatever reason they choose. It's just such an encumbrance. And the fact that that thinking can lead to violence and hurting people, yeah. your own, you know, your own parent. We we had a case of asylum seekers uh, coming here to the United States of America, and this particular case is shown in the film Unsettled, which I believe you mentioned. Yeah. The film Unsettled is by Tom Shepard, and I'm featured in the film. It's a full-length documentary, and it also features four people as the main subjects who have come to the Bay Area as refugees and asylum seekers. And they're LGBT and it tells a tiny bit of their stories back home, but for the most part shows their survival here in the Bay Area in California. And um, the one person, the one couple, a lesbian couple in that film who have since got asylum and been able to get married in California um, had a situation where their own mother poisoned their food because oh. they felt as a family that these people were so shameful because of being gay. And this was such a shame to the entire family that it's almost incumbent in your duty to eradicate. Oh, my and, gosh. Um, to kill them. Know, now, yeah, well, to they survived them. and they made it yeah. here. Yeah. But here's the thing, you, on the one hand, it's hard to rebuke those families who have had no real depth of education on this issue, who've been tremendously influenced by extreme religious views, 
and really believe the stuff, you know. So this yeah. is the kind of thing that we're dealing with every single day, and it is extremely prevalent out there right now. And we're so these, sheltered from that. Yes, that's what, that's what I was going to ask you, Melly. How do these cases and people come your way for yeah. you to learn about them and then begin to well, intervene and advocate? What, yes. Well, uh, for example, a show like yours where you're providing a platform and a stage for us to be able to talk about this and then people start talking. That's why I'm so grateful is, is, is all adds to... Um, putting it out there. We're very prevalent on social media. The people in just about every single African country have good access to um, uh, internet cafes, their own telephone, you know, mobile instruments. And um, the internet's been a fantastic resource for people being able to find us. There's not a day that goes by that I don't get some kid from some internet cafe, cafe who's seen our material um, be it through a podcast, an interview, something on YouTube, our oh, website, wonderful. Facebook, reaching out and saying, um, help, you know, what can we do? We saw you and we, we want to be free. And actually, interestingly, the as we've accomplished equality here in countries such as in the EU, the UK, United States of America, um, that becomes newsworthy and that information goes abroad and it has a, it's a double-edged sword. On the one hand, it has the anti-gays and the religious zealots digging their heels in the ground and saying, we better combat this. This is coming our way. Look what could happen to us. And on the other hand, it provides us with the visibility that we need to be able to attract people who we could hopefully mentor through help. And then on the other side of it is if as Western countries, so to speak, we interfere too much mm. in those other countries that can have a backlash effect of actually hurting the LGBT. So even us liberals and progressives and good people, if we overstep the mark and impinge on what those countries perceive as their sovereignty, that in and of itself can be problematic. So this is a very complex milieu to navigate. It is. And how many years have you been doing this, Melanie? I know you came to the U.S. in 1985, I believe, from South yes, Africa. That's correct. Yeah. So I practiced law in South Africa before I came here. Then I came here and I got most very involved, I would say, around, I, I mean, I was dabbling in all sorts of um, activist-related endeavors, but really got my feet in the ground on this around 2002. Okay, and you've done so much work since then. Just the website is, yes. is outstanding with the opportunities and the advocacy. You're welcome. You're welcome. We are going yeah. to go to our commercials because I don't want to interrupt. I have a couple questions for you. So I, I'm thinking to do the commercials now and then come back so we can just speak without interruption, if that's okay with you. That's wonderful. Thank you so much. You're welcome. This podcast is brought to you by Beekeepers Naturals. This company is on a mission to reinvent your medicine cabinet. Beekeepers Naturals is replacing conventional medicine cabinet staples with remedies that actually work and are created through bees, through honey. I am using right now the propolis throat spray. 
It is a spray to boost one's immune system and help you keep from getting whatever illnesses are going around right now at this time. It actually tastes delicious, the honey flavored, and it's powered by B. propolis. It's a germ-fighting organism from the hive that contains over 300 beneficial compounds, including lots of antioxidants. So by combining plant adaptogens and sustainably sourced ingredients from beehives, along with research and testing, these remedies will help make healthy your new norm in your life. So to check out their products, they are offering you as my listener 15% off your first order. So you check them out by going to beekeepersnaturals.com and enter the code THERAPY, T-H-E-R-A-P-Y, in all caps at checkout. Or you can go straight to the ordering page at beekeepers.com forward slash THERAPY in all caps. That's 15% off your first order. Indeed, listening is the new reading. With Audible, you can listen to an unlimited amount of books at home, in your car, at the gym, anywhere on the go. With over 180,000 audiobooks to choose from, for you, the listener of All Things Therapy, Audible is offering you a free audiobook download and a month-long subscription for you to try them out. Visit audibletrial.com forward slash all things therapy now. Enjoy. Do you want to help yourself and friends find a purpose in life? Then you are in the right place and be a part of the crowdfunding campaign of patreon.com forward slash all things therapy with Lisa Tahir as she initiates a one-on interaction with inspiring authors, healing experts, and spiritual directors. Join the League of Heroes of this generation by contributing your quota between a dollar up to a hundred dollars per month at patreon.com forward slash all things therapy. Let's make the world free of suicide, poverty, depression, and in all, make the world a better place for everyone. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. For you, the listeners of All Things Therapy, BetterHelp is one of my sponsors, and they offer you a secure online HIPAA-compliant platform for therapy. They have licensed professional counselors available and specializing in depression, anxiety, relationships, LGBT matters, sleeping issues, and grief. Go check them out. Try them out for a month. They're willing to give you 10% off as my listener by going to betterhelp.com forward slash A-T-T, all caps. 
betterhelp.com forward slash ATT for a 10% discount on your first month to try them out. They have over 3,000 licensed therapists available for you to connect with. You can select someone else if you're not pleased with the services. And financial aid is available to those who qualify. Check them out. Okay, so on today's show, we are with Melanie Nathan. She is executive director of the African Human Rights Campaign. And Melanie, one thing you were sharing with me just privately is that Okay, these crises, these issues going on come to you and come to your attention that right now there are LGBTQI refugees at a camp in Kenya being attacked. Mm -hmm. And I read this last night on your website. Is that something you want to share Mm -hmm. with us about? Sure. Well, we're hoping that as we speak, the problem is starting to mitigate. Um, What occurred there was uh, an attack on a group of refugees that were given a particular shelter, uh, you know, a particular area to go and camp in the camp. So to put this in context, um, a lot of, and I'm using the Ugandan LGBT community as an example, uh, when the anti-homosexuality bill hit in Uganda, a lot of people Mm. were exposed in the press. And uh, the law became law and it ultimately got made defunct by the courts because there had been a technical issue and so the courts annulled the law. However, the bad impact of this new law stayed very much alive and people continue to flee Uganda, especially those who had been outed in the press. Those people, the only place most of them could go to was to cross over into Kenya. And Kenya has been having a lot of terrorism And there is an encampment policy, which means if you want to be a refugee in Kenya, you have to go to a camp. And the camp most these people have been sent to is Kakuma Camp. And there's a big heterosexual South Sudanese uh, community there. And there's also a local host of community known as the Turkana. And they're not too happy having LGBT people among them because Mm. the very type of dicta and persecution that the Ugandans experienced back home has followed them into the UNHCR camp. So Kenya is also a country that criminalizes homosexuality just the same way as Uganda. Wow. The, the The idea of decriminalizing was just shut down by the Kenyan High Court who said, we will not decriminalize, we're keeping it criminal. So here you have a whole lot of people seeking refuge in what is in effect a hostile host country. But Kenya is doing the job for the most part that it's supposed to do. And the gay people that are in Kenya from Uganda are very lucky from this perspective that there is a country that is willing to recognize them as refugees because of their sexuality and gender identity. Not every country in Africa will work with UNHCR in that way. And Kenya is doing it. But at the same time, the police are not being kind to gay people and they're locking them up. I just had, um, as we're sitting here, I'm reading my text and a guy just messaged me that, Police uh, burst into his home because somebody thought 
he was gay. This is outside of the camp and saw a rainbow flag and lubricants. And now he's off to jail and please will I help pay his bail money out. So, um, you know, you leave your home as an exile thinking you will get protection, but it doesn't quite work out that way. Well, what happened Mm. on Christmas or just before Christmas was a group of about 47 LGBT people who had been newly assigned shelters in Kakuma camp were attacked by the host Takana people and by Sudanese saying, get out of here, you're not welcome, you're satanic. Now, UNHCR Mm. is saying that the attack was purely one of um, theft and um, vandalism uh, due to competing factions that got into fighting in a soccer match. They suddenly started marauding around the camp and brought violence to everyone. And so on the one hand, UNHCR feels that in this particular instance, this was not a targeted homophobic attack. On the other side of it, the refugees believe that it was a targeted homophobic attack because they were used, I don't want to say the words, but they were used in Swahili, what we um, here use as a demeaning word to gay people, which begins with F. And they were told to get out, et cetera, et cetera. So these people ran back to the reception center gate looking for protection and they did not receive help or protection in effect for 12 days were stuck sleeping in the outdoors at this camp being denied water because water was back Mm. in other areas not in this particular area and we at african human rights coalition um and a shout out to my colleague, Mark Cohen, who um, is our director of humanitarian affairs, who was able to, um, on an emergency basis, start bringing in some money. And so we fed people there for 12 days who had no food. And we fed for Amazing. people. So Amazing. this is the, the kind of thing that we do. We sort of very ad hoc, you know, but we're, we're at it. We're available. Um, you know, you don't want to be in my life, for example, and try and have a relationship because you'll find me sitting at my desk at two in the morning on Africa time um, dealing with these kind of emergencies. So it, it's chaotic and it's um, it's difficult and it's unpredictable and the solutions are few and far between. And we are looking at long-term du- durable solutions. We are working directly with UNHCR for these solutions, but at the same time, we're thrown in to managing uh, emergency situations as they arise. And we're not the only people doing it. There are other activists out there helping as much as they can and doing what they can. There's a group in the uh, EU, in the European Union. There's some Canadians and there's some people out in Iceland and people in the UK and there's even somebody in Japan. And we're all sort of communicating with each other and trying to make things happen in a better way for these LGBT people. It's a real international community response, I hear. Yes, definitely. Definitely. You know, what would you like one to of the, see? Mm, yeah, uh, go ahead, and yes, then I'll ask you. Yes, no, 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 I like that question. <laughs> what would you like to see? Um, what I would like to see is not entirely possible. And, but I believe that fantasies can become realities if you yes. want to manifest 
something, I've done this in the past, where people have said to me, no, that's not possible, that'll never happen. My response always is, well, have you tried? Because I believe that if you create an idea in your head and then you actually benchmark it as a possibility, the worst thing that can happen is that it won't happen. But until you do that, until you create the idea, until you benchmark it, until you put it out there, it will never happen. So here are my those things. My those things are ultimately and absolutely Africa coming to its senses and realizing that colonialism is what brought to Africa anti-homosexuality. That before that, for the most part, in most cultures and most tribes, nobody gave a damn who was sleeping with who, where or how. It was very Mm. well managed. It was not a taboo. It was not ostracized the way it was. But da-da-da-da-da-da, who comes along? The colonialists from all directions, they throw their penal codes and Bibles at you and they tell you you're going to start living differently. And then, um, uh, uh, centuries later, you're told that it's un-African to accept same-sex relations. Well, mm. it wasn't un-African then. So suddenly you're told that what colonialists do was, was, was what made you an, un-African. And then you're saying it's a Western import to have homosexuality. So it's very, very confusing. So to re-educate and get people back on track to understand that it's the colonialists that brought this and does it does not have to be this way. And that you can still have religion. You can still have your Islam faith, your Christianity, your Judaism. You can have whatever faith you want and marry it to the kindness and to everything mm-hmm. that we need to yeah. live in harmony with what our religions teach us. And that means, in effect, not to reject any populations and not to be fundamentalist in terms of how you interpret your your uh, religion. So that's my one part of my, my fantasy. I want Absolutely. to be able to live where they're born and, 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 and live with happiness safely. and with the right to being who they are and safely. Right. Now, given the situation you're in and the situation we are in, what I would like to see happen is a designated area in a place for LGBT exiles and refugees to go where they are 100% safe and they're not expected to be thrown like chickens to crocodiles into communities that don't accept them. And so from a funding perspective and from a bringing attention to perspective, for UNHCR to do that is very, very difficult to near impossible. But I believe there is a way. Another thing that I'd like to see done is perhaps in Africa, three or four education centers that um, when people are going through exile, where you can go and live at a university type campus rather than uh, an area where you're just twiddling your thumbs and waiting for resettlement and rotting away and worried about scorpions and snakes and people attacking you. Why not take that four years? 
that it takes to resettle you. And by the way, resettlement is not guaranteed to anyone. So why not mm. find a situation? Why can't the LGBT community, the tech community, the university and academic communities, why can't we all come together? There are not that many of them. And find places for LGBT people to go. And while they're being processed and while their credibility is being checked as to, if the, as to whether their stories are real, we can educate people and we can prepare them for where they need to next go or to reintegrate into, uh, you know, uh, countries and areas that are safer on the continent itself. But I feel like a lot of man and human and women power and children power is being wasted right now and fraught with persecution that does not need to be happening. So I believe with money and brains, we can brainstorm and change that entire cycle of migration and that trajectory for our LGBT community. And then finally, as far as the refugees are concerned, America and the Trump administration has done LGBT and all refugees a tremendous disservice. He has mm -hmm. caused chaos and disrupted our systems in a way that is just absolutely unconscionable. And our numbers have been so horribly reduced that um, the pipeline is terribly clogged. So whatever problems we're having on the ground, this backup is exacerbating those problems. And we need a new administration. We need people who know what they're yes. doing. We need to revamp what we've always stood for and, and, and been there for. Today, I had a discussion with somebody from UNHCR who said America was almost always at the forefront of, of loving kindness towards refugees, and we're not seeing that anymore. It's gone. Mm. We need that again. We need to reinvoke that, and that will help every single uh, person caught up in in persecution and, and these kind of difficulties. And then the last point is some people find their way to America on their own, not through the refugee system. Either they get here on a student visa or they get here on a visitor visa of their own accord. And when they get here, or they might even migrate and walk their way. I've seen people walk from who made their way to Brazil and walked all the way up the continents using trains and buses in their feet to get to the southern border who are LGBT from Ethiopia, from Uganda. I've seen them come to those borders and ask for asylum. And these are legitimate asylum cases. And what we need for LGBT people is to consider changing some of how this happens. I don't know if you will recall, but during the years of the USSR, when during the Soviet Union era, when Jewish people were not allowed to practice their religion in Russia, Congress did some special stuff and created some special paths through the Lautenberg Amendment for um, Jewish people to be able to, to come to America so that they could practice their religion freely. Yes. I see... LGBT people in a similar light. Why the heck are we not allowed to be living according to our sexuality? And this is the wrong terminology to use, but to put it in that um, metaphor, why can't we practice our sexuality legitimately? Yeah. And why can't big government understand big, rich, wealthy scenarios take care of LGBT people and say, okay, we're going to make a special path and maybe avert this whole refugee system 
where right. we get caught up in a lot of turmoil and further persecution. So well said, Melanie. And I know you were interviewed this morning by Reuters. Were you speaking about any of these topics in that interview as well? Well, their questions were very specific and you know, it's probably going to be a short article about the violence that's been going on um, at Kakuma towards LGBTI refugees. And so that's what I spoke to them about. Um, there are articles, if people Google Melanie Nathan or African HRC and uh, Vice or Long Reads or New York Times, they will read some in-depth articles that have occurred, um, which speaks to this in general terms. You know, I'm an expat South African and South Africa, mm -hmm. since the release of Nelson Mandela, who or, 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 um, at the time when he was released from prison, developed a new constitution that became fully inclusive with full rights to all LGBTQI people in South Africa. Now, unfortunately, the homophobia never caught up with those rights, but it has been catching up. And things are vastly improved um, in terms of people starting to accept LGBT people in South Africa. And, but it's the one place in Africa that has a fully inclusive constitution. In fact, their constitution is more kind than America's constitution is at this point in time to LGBT people. So you would think that anybody on the continent of Africa who was LGBT could show up in South Africa and receive asylum and have a good place to live, but that's not the case. And so um, in a recent article, and I'm, I'm trying to see where it is, here it is, it's called Violence Follows Gay Asylum Seeker, and it's newframe.com. And they interviewed me extensively and it speaks to the shoddy, untenable asylum system in South Africa that is hurting not only LGBT asylum seekers where it should be a haven, but every single refugee that's come down from the north. And that needs to change, that needs to improve. And the big problem in South Africa is less about homophobia and more about xenophobia. And that's something we're experiencing here in America right now. Yeah. And that's something that is hurting the UNHCR system right now because the, the, what's spreading in these more conservative governments and realms and courts that are rearing their head through what's happened in the UK and what's happening with Trump, we have become, as, a, as in general, overtly our policies is xenophobic. And it is hurting all refugees and asylum seekers. Yes. Again, so well said. And I want listeners to know that they can reach out. I saw the donate button at your website, AfricanHRC.org, as well as following you on social media. Is it on Facebook uh, at Melanie Nathan? Is that correct? Uh, yeah, so my Facebook page, I mean, if you look up, there are a couple of other Facebook pages, Melanie Nathan, but if you look at Melanie Nathan World Advocacy or try me on Melanie Nathan, my Twitter handle is at Melanie Nathan One, and um, I'm on Instagram as well, and um, I'm so easy to find if you just Google me also through my blog, 
which my blog is oblog, D-O-blog, da, but the actual web address is O-B-L-O-G, D-E-E, dot blog. And my about page is there and my updated articles are there. African Human Rights Coalition is an easy way to get me and that's www.africanhrc.org. And then there's a melnathan.com, which is my speaking website. I speak around the country and globally. Yes. And um, I'm available to go and give talks on this. Yeah, yeah. I, um, well, I'll have all of these I, resources on, in the show notes for people to access, Melody. So That's so awesome. I'm so appreciative of that. Yeah, that's so I really great appreciate you. our time that's together a, and the boots on the ground I, that you're doing. <laughs> yeah, I appreciate you and what you're doing and that you're able to um, platform something like this, you know. And, you know, from the fundraising perspective, we are in desperate need. So any tiny, you know, a dollar eighty-three will feed somebody who's a refugee for two or three days. So the that's smallest amazing. amount of money is extremely appreciated. <laughs> Oh, Melanie, thank you for sharing that. And I really appreciate what you're doing. And I appreciate your recognition of me. I just love getting the word out about things. I feel like we can contribute in so many different ways by partnering and sharing. So I'm just well, delighted. Let's keep doing this. Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> and Sounds thank great. you for your time today. Thanks, Lisa. You take care. You too, Melanie. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening today. That concludes my show with Melanie Nathan, Executive Director of the African Human Rights Coalition. Find her at AfricanHRC.org. A dollar and 83 cents feeds a person for three days in these countries. So I am actually going to the website to sign up and donate. I encourage you to do the same. And please join me next week for another episode. All my love. Bye-bye. Listening to All Things Therapy with Lisa Tahir, only on LA Talk Radio. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill.